Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hi, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We're in a mini-series entitled Grace for Lent. It's really grace for all year long, but Lent is just a good time to focus on the essentials of our faith, and grace is one of those essentials. And today, I'd like to talk about grace that heals addictions, and we're focusing on a pornography addiction the past couple of episodes, and the reason I picked that is that this is an extremely difficult addiction to become free from, and it really highlights the need for grace. You know, the pornography addiction is really very easy to get into, few clicks with a mouse or few swipes with your smartphone, and before long, you find yourself immersed in something you'd like to get free from, and it's extremely difficult. And so uh, what we're doing is trying to highlight the incredible importance of making the life of God's grace in your life the key to recovery, not just from a pornography addiction, because this will work with any addiction. In fact, very frequently, those suffering from a pornography addiction may also have a corresponding drug addiction or perhaps an alcohol uh, addiction or addiction or a habit of compulsive gambling or all of them. Um, these are easy to go together because there's a lack of something inside. And what I would like to focus on today is a rather unusual book that was shared to me by my daughter who was studying counseling in a Christian environment it's a book entitled Addiction and Grace, written by a psychiatrist by the name of Gerald May. And it's fascinating to me. Um, you know, I wouldn't recommend Dr. May as uh, your guide as um, to ecumenism, for instance. I think he's a little light on the validity of other religious expressions or yoga or this or that. But he has some things about grace in this book that I've never seen so strongly and so widely, uh, wisely emphasized by a mental health expert. And he knows also the mind games that go on. And so what I would like to do today, I have a little intro of a couple of scriptures that to me gets to one of the most profound statements that I've ever heard a psychiatrist make. So hang on as we go through addiction and grace. And again, I'll be citing several passages from Dr. Gerald May's book. So uh, why I'm doing this, it's my observation. And I was looking today, I became aware, for instance, of the pornography problem in Catholic circles. I got a call or an email, I forgot whatever it was, it might even be before email, it was, it was about 1998 contacted by the Couple to Couple League, a great organization teaching um, natural family planning. And they knew I was involved in Catholic men's ministry. And they asked me, have you encountered uh, any pornography problems amongst Catholic men? I said, no, 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 it doesn't seem to be any problem. And that was a totally ignorant 
answer because I was ignorant of the problem. But it was also within a couple of years um, mentioned pornography briefly in a men's conference I was at with uh, Jeff Cavins. And uh, we got a very quick lesson that this was something so profound. And so I got busy making some resources available. And if you can imagine this, at a men's Catholic men's conference, I don't know how many, you know, two, three, four, five hundred men. I don't really remember how many, but I do remember this. When I said there's some help for you that I put together over there on this table uh, next to us, if you have a problem with pornography, there's some help there. And one man stood up immediately in front of all the other men in the middle of my talk and made a beeline for that table. And I saw that, okay, um, there are those, and I'm not going to do it in this broadcast to, to try to convince you that pornography is wrong. It is wrong. But what I want to do is describe how you can find God's strength to overcome the addiction and how if you substitute your strength for God's strength, you may never overcome it. So in any case, I'd like to start with the words of Jesus uh, recorded by St. Matthew, Matthew 11, verses 28, 29, and 30. Try to listen to these very carefully because in a way it says everything I'm going to be saying in this episode. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you're one today struggling with any type of compulsive behavior, addictive behavior, uh, be it pornography, alcohol, drugs, gambling, whatever it might be, um, it, it's a heavy burden. And twice, Jesus invites you to come to him and find rest. And it's the dead opposite of what many, even in Catholic and other Christian circles, are advocating for recovery. It's the very opposite of rest. It's like get on this pious treadmill and just run till you're exhausted. And yes, you'll fall down flat in your face. Just get up and run in the treadmill some more. And that's your recovery plan. I'm overemphasizing it, but it's that rest of coming to Christ. And then there's a, a, a cousin verse or sets of verses to this in the epistle to the Hebrews. And it's a very interesting section of Scripture, and by itself, it's kind of meaningless, but I think if you join it with Jesus saying, come to me, you'll find rest. Come to me, I'll give you rest. This is Hebrews 4. Therefore, the promise of entering his rest remains. For the good news came to us just as to them, but the message which they heard did not benefit them because it did not meet with faith in the hearers. For we who have believed enter that rest. This is key. It's belief. If we have believed, we enter that rest. And what do the scriptures say about belief? 
Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. And so we have to have faith. And actually, the treadmill approach to recovery that even uh, very sincere and well-meaning Christians are offering to those with pornography and other addictions is really a faithless approach to overcoming an addiction. Hebrews 4 goes on, for whoever enters God's rest also ceases from his labors as God did from his. And Hebrews goes on to to describe the creation week. Six days, God did all the activity of, of creation. And then the seventh day was a different posture, a day of rest. And then Hebrews goes on to say, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. In other words, there's a certain uh, work that God has done that we don't do. We don't create the universe and we don't create our, our recovery, but it's let's strive to enter that rest so that no one would fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now, there are a host of people telling people men, women, who have a pornography addiction to strive to overcome that addiction. But they don't come through, and how you strive, it says, strive to enter that rest. Your effort shouldn't be treadmill. Your effort should be build faith in God's power, God's rest, and and the mercy of God to come to him and find strength to help in time of need. Now, I'm going to then read you from page 19 of Dr. May's Addiction and Grace. This could be the wisest thing I've ever heard a psychiatrist say. And uh, and pair this with the passages from Matthew 11 and Hebrews 4. Simply relaxing may seem too passive. And by relaxing, I'll just insert resting. As we shall see, however, this simple choice may be the greatest kind of struggle any human being can face. There is nothing passive about it. In the long run, it may prove far more assertive and powerful than any other possible action we could take. And here's a psychiatrist who has worked with others helping overcome addictions, and he's saying, this isn't, when we say rest, we're not saying doing nothing. It's not passive, because Hebrew said strive, but it's not striving with your own steam, your own efforts, your own project, or somebody else's list of things to do. But in the long run, he says, it could be far more powerful than any other step you could take. It's entering God's rest. And then he goes on to say, most of us overdo it. Our spiritual assertiveness quickly becomes a spirit of pride. And see, this is the the trap, so to speak. You do good things, and we are to do good things. I'm not saying we don't do good things. We are to do good things, but if you double up, uh, and it's, you know, whatever they say to do, well, I'll quadruple it. And rather than leading to freedom, that leads to pride. 
And when you have pride, you have catastrophic failure because pride doesn't go along with the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God in our lives. So he says, we will never really turn to God in loving openness as long as we are handling things well enough by ourselves. This is a great one. Addiction, it's sobering, addiction teaches us not to be too proud. Sooner or later, addiction will prove to us that we are not gods. Trying again and again, I think our failure is necessary. And this is an interesting twist. I think our failure is necessary for it is in failure that helplessness causes us to completely turn to grace. Grace is our only hope for addiction. Now, you know, Dr. May is an MD. He's a psychiatrist. He can dispense drugs. But if you catch what he just said, that we're not just kicking back here, but we're actually striving not to, to enter God's strength But yet, he says, in our religious attempts to do the right thing, we overdo it, and that leads to pride, and pride leads to downfalls. And he says, we almost need failure in order to teach us that we're not God, and that we are helpless, and that we need to totally turn to grace. And rather than a prescription, a drug, or a therapy, you know, grace is our only hope for addiction. I'm not saying doing, not doing other things, but he's centering. He is centering on the source of help. And he says, grace enables humility within us by empowering our realization that our efforts are insufficient in themselves. Care needs to be taken with asceticism and extremes of self-mortification. Now, are acts of asceticism good? Yes, that's why we have Lent. Are uh, steps to healthy self-mortification good? Yes, but he's talking about overdoing it again. Ascetic excesses can happen because of an attachment to pride, a desire to show off one's holiness. So, In other words, even being very religious about trying to overcome your addiction can lead you to a point of fruitlessness. Again, he returns to grace. Grace is the most powerful force in the universe. Grace is where our hope lies, and he's specifically talking about addiction. That's what I'm trying to say in these multiple broadcasts, Grace for Lent. Uh, it's, it's a lot of great steps you can take. I've written about different steps, but I, I, when I started writing this, it was, um, I think, probably um, over 20 years ago, there weren't many Catholics trying to provide any types of uh, written materials for people overcoming this, so I put things together but I didn't realize the incredible deep canyon that Catholics are falling into 
And it's just kind of like a parade. And particularly, I'm more aware of the men's uh, end of this, but men, just endless lines of men lining up very sincere, piously dropping right off the cliff. Be, I, I totally didn't expect so many self-generated effort programs to arise in Catholic circles trying to help people uh, beat an, an addiction. And lo and behold, I find, of all things, a psychiatrist that says grace is the most powerful force in the universe, and grace is where our hope lies. He goes on. Dr. May, again, a psychiatrist. He must have been reading New Testament or something, but he goes, for the addicted person alone, struggling only with willpower, the desire to continue the addiction will win. Listen to this. Willpower and resolutions come and go, but the addictive process never sleeps. Then he goes on, as soon as one tries to control any truly addictive behavior by making autonomous intentional resolutions, that's basically you make a resolution, do something where you're intending to make it self-powered, autonomous. He goes, at that point, one begins to defeat oneself. You're defeating yourself and trying to overcome the addiction. A fundamental mind trick of addiction is focusing attention on our willpower. Fundamental mind trick. Such resolutions are likely to fail, and when they do, the addictive behavior will have become stronger and will have a stronger foothold than ever. This is very important stuff. Then he goes back to grace. Grace flows toward appreciating the truth toward an accurate understanding of what is going on beneath the confused surface of addiction. In other words, it is an act of grace to realize what's going on at its core. And you have to be careful here because I'm going to basically be saying two things, and the two things are compatible. The addiction is very often the external manifestation of things going on inside. And so it is a very wise process to overcome an addiction to find out, you know, is there a past of abuse, trauma, divorce in the family, any number of things that could be causing uh, alcoholism in the family you grew up with could be causing the addictive behavior. But remember also, uh, grace doesn't just go deep, it goes deeper. And the root cause of what's wrong with us is a thing called sin that we don't like to talk about a whole lot, but even seeing that ultimately there's a root within us that we need grace to heal. And yes, grace can heal the deep problems that gave rise to the surface addiction, but it can also go deeper. Now, again, this is very unusual for a psychiatrist to, to say because many addictive experts only go deep, but they don't go deeper. And as a result, they don't get to the root of things. Thinking that simply something negative happened to you in your past is not the deepest level of problems causing addictions. There's a deeper root of sin. 
So hear what he says. Psychotherapeutic help may prolong the addictive behavior while the therapist and client spend months or years trying to uncover non-existent childhood experiences to explain the addiction. It is as if the therapist teaches the addicted person to think, I must spend months, perhaps years, trying to identify and solve my psychological problems. All the while this goes on, I have an excuse to keep being addictive because you can't get to the root. And he goes, cut through the camouflage, cut through the false complexities that addiction creates. Um, And he warns that friends, family, co-workers, and even professional helpers, psychiatrists like himself, can basically strengthen the addiction with an addicted person. And nearly always there's someone or some ones around an addictive person's life that helps support the addiction by basically saying, oh, poor someone, because this happened. Well, it does cause an addiction, but there's something deeper too. And he goes on, there's only one dedicated action that really counteracts addiction, and that is to stop the addictive behavior. Sounds smart. When the community or family surrounding an addicted person tries to help in a way that does not support ending the addiction, it will wind up supporting the addiction instead. And then he comes back to our fundamental problem, really. And and the fundamental problem is I will. Um, We're we're taught by Jesus to, to pray, thy will be done. And so many recovery programs are teaching you to have, I will, I will do this, I will do that, I will do this. And um, unfortunately, at the time of year, which I'm advocating at least, we should be concentrating on God's grace during Lent especially, but all year long. Well, we come up with big list of I wills and uh, things that we do, some of those are achievable without eroding addictive behavior in our life because they're achievable. What is that or what can that lead to is pride, which quenches the Holy Spirit in our life. No, we need to have more than I will. We need to have the power of God and realize we're helpless with the condition that we're in. And God did not, he didn't send us a ladder to crawl our way up to heaven. Instead, coming down Jacob's ladder, so to speak, was the Son of God himself, born in a manger, lived a sinless life in order that we might be redeemed fully. And God came down because we couldn't go up. It's that simple. All going up is something other than Christianity, period, including recovery from an addiction including recovery from a pornography addiction. It's something that comes from God's strength at its core. And the focus of our striving, this Lent, shouldn't be a to-do list as much as striving to enter God's rest and believing him 
and trusting in him, perhaps nourishing our lives with scripture, not as an item on a to-do list, but as a way to draw near to God and increase our love and devotion to him. So, the danger of I can handle it. If instead of failing, the person temporarily succeeds in stopping the addictive behavior, the greatest mind trick of all comes into play. I can do it. I've done it. And it wasn't really that difficult. I'm free. And before long, the natural joy will undergo a malignant change and it will be replaced by pride. For a while, I can handle it means the person feels that he or she can fight off any impulses to engage in the addictive behavior. But before long, I can handle it means, well, I can engage in the addictive behavior without becoming enslaved to it again. You got to be careful because pride leads to a fall and your discernment antenna needs to be up even from the most well-meaning, pious Christians giving you advice in overcoming addiction. This is why I find Dr. May utterly remarkable in focusing on God and his grace, which is Christianity. It's why Jesus came, and we think, well, we're going to do this and that to get close to Jesus. No, he came down to get close to us. And so we need to be careful about this. So during Lent, we are offering uh, parishes a special deal. I have two booklets, Breaking Free and the other one entitled Young Men Breaking Free, designed for younger men, probably high school age and up that are single. And we're offering these in bulk and lots of 25 to parishes or folks who want to buy them for their parishes or their youth group, just a buck each. It's, I don't know how big a discount, but it's a lot. Um, it's, it's enough. We're probably losing money on every one. But it's a buck piece plus uh, postage um, and a lot of 25. And that's those are the two breaking free booklets. If you need one copy for your youth leader or for your parish priest and want to look it over, we can get one to you for that. Just contact us at askthehost at gmail.com and just say you're inquiring about the breaking free booklets. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 474 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.